0: The Carter Report investigates the mysteries of the past as it seeks to interpret amazing predictions concerning our future. John Carter, scholar, writer and traveler, invites you to join him as he unlocks mankind's most valuable treasure. Hi there, America. Welcome to the Carter Report. Our topic today is about life in other worlds and visitors from other worlds. Many people are saying to me, with the world's tremendous build up with uh, nuclear arsenals, they say, is there any escape route? This program, Visitors from Other Worlds, is going to show you there is a way out. Join us in the big meeting. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm delighted to see so many here this evening in this great Tarrant County Convention Center here in Texas. It's been a great day and we're going to have a great evening. How are you folk? You just fine? I'm glad that you've been able to come this evening and I'm so glad to see the place filled with uh, such a, a wonderful audience. We've been going from night to night and I'm so glad that you folk came back to this one on life and other worlds. I am absolutely convinced that there are millions of other worlds I'm going to share those convictions with you this evening. I believe that beings from other worlds have actually visited this planet. I believe that there is record that beings from other worlds have come down to this planet and I'm going to talk about that this evening and also share with you some of those amazing Hebrew prophecies out of the Bible that say that beings from other worlds are going to come back to this planet and they're going to come right down in a great space-age invasion to save this planet from destruction and disaster. And so that's the program we're going to talk about this evening, and we're going to have one tremendous time together. You know, the thing that amazes me and, you know, just uh, stuns me is the vastness of space. When you think of the vastness of space, it gives you a fair idea that out there there's just got to be millions and millions of worlds. You know, you can travel on through space for millions of light years, and you never, never come to the end. When you look at some of those great galaxies out there in space, like the, um, the Andromeda galaxy, it is, you know, two million 200,000 light-years from this earth. You know, you can say that quickly, 2,200,000 light-years from this earth, what does it mean? It means that light left there 2,200,000 light-years ago, 2,200,000 years ago, and it's been traveling at 186,000 miles a second. Think of that. 186,000 miles a second, and it left there 2,200,000 years ago. Just baffles the mind. When I was a little boy, I thought the universe was, you know, something like this, that out there in space, maybe up there at the top of the rainbow, there was a, a sign board and it said, The End. And as I got a little older, I started to think to myself, what is on the other side of that end? Where on earth does the universe begin? And where does the universe end? Nobody except the Creator Himself can really answer that question. One thing we do know, we live in a huge, a huge universe. Did you know this? Now, let me take a little piece of paper here, and I'm going to use this. As an illustration if I can get it out here. Here it is. I want you to look at this card, not the piece of paper that's stuck to it, but I want you to look at this piece of card. If this card were the distance to the Sun, now the Sun is 93 million miles from the earth. Now by comparison we are going to say that the distance to the Sun is the thickness of a piece of paper get that the distance to the sun is the thickness of a piece of paper on the same scale the distance to the edge of the universe would be 30 million miles of paper <laughs> i just find that a little overwhelming that is if if we go out to the sun 93 million miles and that's the same as this here you see piece of paper Well, to go to the edge of the known universe, it would be a stack of pieces of paper, a stack, 30 million miles high. A little bit hard to take in, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, astronomers say that most likely the universe was born in a tremendous explosion, some 15,000 or 20,000 million light years, uh, years ago. 15,000 or 20,000 million years ago. And you can go out there in space and go past our sun. And when you get past our sun and you go past Mars and further out and past Pluto, you're simply in the backyard of this earth. It's when you get out there in space that you find the vastness of space. And it seems to go on, the astronomers say, for millions and millions and trillions and billions of miles. It doesn't seem to be any end to it. On one occasion Napoleon Bonaparte was standing there on the brig of his ship. They were sailing uh, along the Mediterranean Sea. This was just after the French Revolution when the French had kicked God out of existence. They'd voted that God had not existed. I don't think this made much difference to God but uh, these men the officers were standing there on the brig of the ship and they were discussing the fact that obviously there was no God. And some of those men became a little agitated because they had become affirmed atheists and they were saying this idea that there is a god is absolutely fantastic they came over to napoleon after a little while and they said sir don't you agree with us surely there is no god and napoleon threw his arms back and he looked up to the skies and looked up to the stars and he said gentlemen if there is no god then pray tell me who made the stars and that is the question that i would like to ask the people here tonight tell me friend if there is no god pray tell me who made the stars it is just too big to dismiss it and say that there is no god I am, have an article here that I want to read to you because it's, it's such a significant article. When I read it, it was like a bombshell. It's written by Robert Jastrow. Let me get this out. Let me fold it so I can handle it with a little bit of, of convenience. Here we are. Written by Robert Jastrow from NASA's Goddard Institute for Space Studies. And he has come out with this bombshell in the world of astronomy. He says, the essential elements and astronomical and biblical accounts of Genesis are the same. Now, this is going to take a little digesting, but let me read it to you because I think it's absolutely fascinating. He says... When an astronomer writes about God, his colleagues assume he is either over the hill or going bonkers. In my case, it should be understood that I'm an agnostic in religious matters. In other words, he says, I don't know. However, I am fascinated by some strange developments going on in astronomy, partly because of their religious implications and partly because of the peculiar reactions of my colleagues. What he's talking about, ladies and gentlemen, is this, that some years ago, astronomers came to the conclusion that the universe had not always been there. You see, astronomers had believed for ages in the steady state theory of the universe that matter had always existed. And then all of a sudden they discovered, and they had proof that this happened, that there had been, millions of years ago, one tremendous bang in the universe. They, they say 15,000 uh, million years ago or 20,000 million years ago. Nobody is quite sure. But one thing they are certain about, that once upon a time there was nothing out there in the universe, then all of a sudden, bang! A tremendous bang, a huge bang, and all of a sudden there is a tremendous universe with millions and millions of stars. Now, let me keep reading to you what, what this great scientist has to say because I find this fascinating this man says now we see how the astronomical evidence leads to a biblical view of the origin of the world now that's interesting he says the astronomers are saying that the biblical biblical account is the same as what they're discovering through their telescopes he says Uh, a Biblical view of the origin of the world. The word the Bible used to describe the universe. The details differ, he says. Yes, they differ. But the essential elements in the astronomical and biblical accounts of Genesis are the same. Then he goes on to say, listen to this, the chain of events leading to man started suddenly and sharply at a definite moment of in time in a flash of light and energy you hear this he said it started at a definite moment in time you know what this sounds like to me it sounds like the text in genesis that says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and he is saying this is what they are starting to believe these scientists are starting to believe this even the people who didn't want to believe this they're being forced by the evidence to believe this then he goes on to say let me find this their reactions the reactions of all these scientists provide an interesting demonstration of the response of the scientific mind supposedly a very objective mind when evidence uncovered by science itself leads to a conflict with the articles faith in our profession he says it turns out that the scientist behaves the way the rest of us do when our beliefs are in conflict with the evidence we become irritated we pretend the conflict does not exist or we paper it over with meaningless phrases he says that when the scientists discovered that there was a creation a lot of them got terribly uptight because this was the very thing they had hoped they would never find and now they have come to the conclusion that when the bible said in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth the bible was absolutely correct you see absolutely reliable and he says some of these scientists who are supposed to be very unemotional as far as their beliefs are concerned all of a sudden they are very uptight because they have been filled with as much prejudice as anybody else has been then he goes on to say let me read this he says some were even bolder some scientists were even bolder and asked who was the prime mover? Who started this all? The British theorist, Edward Milne, wrote a mathematical treatise on relativity that concluded by saying, as to the first cause of the universe, in the context of expansion, that is left for the reader to insert, but our picture is incomplete without him and the him has got a big H a capital H because he is saying you cannot really be logical and you cannot really look at the stars and you cannot really believe in the concept of the expanding universe without an intelligent belief in the great Creator God I want to tell you folk here tonight in Texas not only does archaeology support the the fact that the The bible is true and that there is a god but the latest discoveries in astronomy are telling us exactly the same story they're telling us that you can believe in the scriptures and you can believe as napoleon said if there is no god then who made all of these and that's the question that's the question tonight i want to put to the cynic and to the skeptic, and to the communist, and the humanist, and all the rest of them, if there is no God, who made all of these? Good question, isn't it? Yes. Let me read on, and here's the punchline. He says, This is an exceedingly strange phenomenon or development, unexpected unexpected by all but the theologians. They've always accepted the word of the Bible, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Then he says, we scientists did not expect to find evidence for an abrupt beginning because we've had until recently such extraordinary success in tracing the chain of cause and effect backward in time. He said, the theologians expected it, but we didn't expect it. And then he goes on to say... For the scientist who has lived by his faith in the power of reason, the story ends like a bad dream. Oh, this is good, he says. He is scale the mountains of ignorance. He is about to conquer the highest peaks. As he pulls himself over the final rock, he is greeted by a band of theologians who have been sitting there for centuries. Did you hear that? he says my friend that the the scientists have now come to the conclusion that what this old book was saying was more up-to-date than they had ever dreamed possible i want you to know tonight that i believe in the scriptures and i believe in god not just because i want to i don't do it my friend because of blind faith Ladies and gentlemen here in Texas, I do it because of the overwhelming evidence. I believe tonight and I believe the stars are undeniable proof that there is a God who made you and a God who made you and a God who made you and a God, what is more, who loves you and who is interested in you. And that's that's great news. Now, let's talk a little more about the size of the universe and uh, i want to come over now to the blackboard i like coming to the blackboard and let's do just a little bit of work on the blackboard as we talk about the phenomenal size of the universe and when i look at the pictures that are on the screen on these super screens that we've got here tonight when i look at those pictures i am overwhelmed with reverence to the great creator god now let's get shall we please? Let's get just a piece of chalk and let's start to talk now about the size of the universe. Now here we are, we have plenty of chalk here. Let's talk about our galaxy, what we call the Milky Way system. The Milky Way system is shaped roughly like this. It's pretty big. To go from this size over here, from this side over here, to this side over here, would take you 100,000 light-years. That is, if you were to travel at the speed of light, 186,000 miles a second, leaving here, in 100,000 years, you'd get over to the other side. Just to go from north to south would take you 30 or 40,000 years at the speed of light. Our sun is one little speck of cosmic dust there. It is traveling around the center of that galaxy, and it takes 250 million years to go right around the center of our galaxy. And this is only one of millions of galaxies. Listen to me, because this is phenomenal. It blows the mind. Let me take another piece of chalk. In the Milky Way system alone, there are 100,000, and these figures are extremely conservative, 100,000 million blazing suns. Think of that just in the Milky Way system alone, 100,000 million blazing suns. And many of those suns, ladies and gentlemen, are thousands of times bigger than our sun. Our sun is 1,300,000 times bigger than the earth. But many of the suns out there in in the galaxies are thousands, millions of times bigger than our sun. I say to you tonight, how big is the creator God who made these things? How big is this God, my friend? What a tremendous God he must be. Now, let me keep going. Let me get back here and we talk a little bit more about the the size of the universe. Astronomers have worked out these figures are extremely, extremely conservative, that there are at least another 200 million galaxies like our own now some say there are there are 500 million others say there are a billion you see this could be 500 it could be a thousand million galaxies And so we are going tonight to work on the most conservative figures. So in the Milky Way system, you've got 100,000 million blazing suns, many of them many times bigger than our sun. And in the universe itself, you have at least 200 million galaxies like our own. Now, what we are going to do is this we are going to do some uh, multiplication. We're going to start to multiply some of these figures and then we are going to work on the law of probability and we are going to say, if there are so many of these suns out there, what is the chance that there being life in some of those worlds that are going around those suns? Now, this is what we're going to do. Now, here we go. What we are going to do, we're going to multiply those two figures together. And when we do this, this is the figure we get. We get this figure here with 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. This would be the number of the suns in the universe. Now, listen to me. If on an average there are nine planets per sun, hear what I'm saying? If on the average you have nine planets per sun, we are now going to see how many planets there would be in the known galaxies, in the known universe, the whole lot of it. Now let me get another piece of chalk, let me get a nice blue piece of chalk and let me find a some place where I can do this and we're going to see what what this works out to. We would have this figure here. We would have 180 and we would have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Now Would the gentleman sitting down the front like to pronounce this figure for me, please, if you don't mind? All right, let's put some commas in so so it doesn't look quite so formidable. You see that there? That would be, let me see, let's work it out in millions. That would be one million. And there we have another million. And there we have another million. And these would be the planets... In the known universe 180 million 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 planets now listen to me if only one of those planets in a million were inhabited just think of this i think that's being extremely conservative don't you Only one in a million, maybe one in five is inhabited, but let's say one in a million is inhabited. Let's divide this colossal figure now by one million. So all we do is knock off six zeros. We knock off six zeros. If only one planet in a million were inhabited this tremendous figure there, that colossal, that astronomical figure there would be the number of inhabited planets in the universe and that is why my friend the vast majority of scientists today and the vast majority of astronomers believe that we are not alone in this universe they are convinced that we are in the midst of a vast inhabited universe And I am absolutely convinced through my study of astronomy and also through the writings of the ancient Bible prophets that this world is only one world of millions and millions and millions of inhabited worlds. That, of course, is most reasonable. And what is more, it has to be right. It's got to be right. Now, what we're going to do now is this. I am going to show you in the Christian Bible, the New King James Version that we're using in these series of meetings, I am going to show you what Hebrew writers thousands of years ago said about life and other worlds. I want you now to take a copy of the Scriptures and I want you please right now to turn with me. To the book of Isaiah I want you to come to Isaiah and then we're going to go to some other passages I want you to come everybody here got a copy of the book I can see hundreds thousands of books out there would you please come now to Isaiah chapter 40 and page uh, 700 in the uh, New King James Version Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 15 Isaiah chapter 40 and then we're going to come down to, let me see, verse 15. And I'm going to show you some very clear, interesting passages in the Scriptures that indicate without a shade of a doubt that there's got to be life out there in all of those millions of worlds. Have you forgot the passage? You got it there? You got it down there? What about you, ma'am? Have you got it? Please look at it here. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse Fifteen, It says Isaiah writing 700 years before Jesus Christ said behold the nations are as a drop in a bucket He said the nations are like a drop in a bucket. He was not talking you know about an empty bucket He was talking about a full bucket and he said the nations in this world are like one little drop out of that full bucket the Bible is a cosmic book the Bible teaches the story that this planet is the only planet in rebellion against the government of God and the Bible teaches that out there in space there are millions of worlds great civilizations tremendously advanced civilizations and the Bible teaches that some of these beings from these other worlds have actually come down to this planet the message of the stars is that there is a big God, a tremendous God who made it all. And the amazing thing is that the Bible teaches that the God who made it all is none other than Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, if this is so, and it is so, you can believe it. This great God who made it all cares about you and He cares about me. And not only does He care about you, not only does He care about me, But this God is big enough to take care of any of our problems. And that is why the Bible tells us that we ought to put our faith in Jesus Christ and learn to trust Him.